Hi, and welcome to Falling Star, a Star Wars D6 actual play podcast. I'm Jesse the Game Master. Today I don't actually have an episode to release. Um, just the usual problem of finding enough time to edit stuff. Uh, it turns out that it still works out to be about two to four hours for every one hour of, of actual uh, play that I release. Um, meaning... I just have to find the time somewhere, and a little bit of behind-the-scenes information about me. I am a full-time employed individual working for the Gouda Society. I am a mostly full-time university student. I am a full-time parent, and, you know, sometimes the gaming has to take a back seat. Um, that on top of trying to actually game master and put together all this stuff actually for the sessions means the editing just gets put on the back burner sometimes. That said, recording this sort of thing actually takes me less time than editing, uh, so I thought I'd try and throw something together, at least get something up on the site. Uh, I do have one question back that I haven't addressed yet, and I thought this might be as good a time as any. Uh, a couple of people have asked for... Number one, an overview of the D6 system, um, specifically the the Star Wars version of the D6 rules. Um, I've kind of hesitated to do that, not so much for any other reason than I'm not terribly interested in sitting here reading through the rule book for you, and of course there's always copyright issues. So I can try and summarize, and then I will get a little bit into more detail about what my house rules are, uh, the things that I will throw in, uh, just because I think there are places where the rules fall down, and a couple places where there were just some oversights in West End Games' rule system, a couple things that just didn't quite make sense, and I didn't, just wasn't happy with the way they turned out in-game. So, first of all, it's a D6 system, all the dice you roll are, di are D6s, uh, and you simply total the dice. Um, you, each character is, has six attributes that are divided up in dexterity, knowledge, mechanical, perception, strength, and technical. And those are just broad overarching attributes, and everything else is a subset of those. So your blaster skill, your dodge skill, all those things are a subset of your dexterity. And your search skill, your con or subsections of perception, generally social type skills. Strength obviously is pretty pretty straightforward. It's mostly just a body and uh, stamina, that sort of thing. You resist damage with your strength. Uh, everything else basically is just pretty much straightforward. Uh, technical is your ability to repair things, uh, your ability to program. Mechanical is your piloting type abilities. Um, anything you do on a spaceship other than repairing it is pretty much a mechanical attribute uh, skill. And if you don't have a particular skill, then you simply roll the attribute. It just defaults up, there's no die penalty, nothing like that. And typical attributes range anywhere from 2D to 4D for humans. Some aliens have higher and lower caps. Um, but that's really pretty much all there is to it, and you simply roll the dice add your totals, and then uh, once you the total is achieved, then 
you that's the set difficulty you're trying to achieve. On every roll, that one dice is included as a wild die. So there is one die that has the capability of exploding, meaning sixes are rolled. Uh, if you roll six on that one particular die, then you keep chaining that that uh, that die and keep rolling it as long as you keep getting sixes, and it just adds to the total. If you get a one on that die, it can represent a number of things. Uh, the Game Master rulebook basically just says if you get a one, any number of a couple things can happen. It's completely at the GM's discretion. My personal rule on it is, unless there's something I can immediately come up with interesting, I will just discard the highest die along with the one, and you're left with sort of a substandard roll, uh, which tends to add a little bit more chance to your rolls. It's not perfect. It uh, Occasionally you get some really odd results, but... Uh, other times, when on that one, if I can think of something immediately that I think is uh, makes an interesting plot twist, then I'll throw that in. But I don't like doing it every single time. I don't think that there should be a one in, chick, uh, one in six chance of something bizarre happening on any given roll. You know, maybe the blaster power pack fails or something like that. Not anything more complicated than that. Uh, any roll you're making, you're either making a opposed roll, meaning you're rolling against someone else's uh, roll. For example, if I roll damage against someone, my blaster has a 4D or 5D blaster code. I roll my five dice and then compare it with the strength uh, modified by armor of the target. And you just compare the two, and the difference of the two de determines the extent of the damage. Um, it's simple range, whether it's you know 0 to 4, or, I'm sorry, 1 to 4 results in, you know, light damage or a stun, and 5 to 8 might be wounded or lightly damaged status. So different things, you know, different vehicles, people have different damage tables, but it still all works out about the same. Uh, the ranges are identical. Um, there's other things that, you know, get tossed here and there. But other than that, it's really a, a straightforward system. Um, the only other type of check is there's a set difficulty, so I need to get a 15 to repair the hyperdrive, so I make my roll. If I don't make a 15, then I I have to roll again and try again. Uh, there is a, an option always with almost anything, with the exception of a few types of checks here and there, where you can take extra time. You basically double the task length to get an extra die. So if I'm using a blaster, I can take, spend a whole round just aiming, so that, and then the next turn I get an extra die rolling that. It's not much more complicated than that. It's a real simple, quick system. Uh, if I had to say that there was one weakness, it's the time it takes to total dice. Um, there have been a couple people who, out there who have suggested, you know, switching more to a uh, success-based system, uh, sort of like Shadowrun or something like that, or, or even like Fate, almost. Not quite a Fate-ish uh, system, but... Just it's a little faster to total dice in those systems than it is to count up. You know, if I'm rolling ten dice, I got to add ten dice times six. Um, can be a little time consuming, and I think that slows down play. But it's really not. It's not that big a deal. Um, it does require looking back and forth at tables. Uh, something I think there's sometimes a weakness uh, with that. Um, you know, I, every time someone there's damage scored, I've got to go look back at the table and just make sure the numbers are in the, the correct dice range. Um, that's more of a convention of newer game systems that don't have that. They 
tend to have the numbers built right in. It's just a set target you have to hit, like Dungeons and Dragons. You know, it, this isn't the old Thaco system where you have to roll a dice and then go look up at the table and verify that I could hit this target. Uh, it's all figured directly on the page. You know, this character has such and such defense, and that's the number I have to roll. So there's no math involved other than, you know, one die plus one bonus, and it is pretty quick that way. Whereas D and whereas uh, Star Wars, on the other hand, you are totaling a handful of dice, which can be occasionally detrimental to the speed of play. Uh, but it is a fast system to learn. Um, you know, I can in three minutes I can cover the rules for people and not worry that they're going to feel like they're left out in the course of the game. Um, so that's really the, the quick and dirty version. Uh, getting into the house rules, the things I've changed, really isn't much as far as the actual mechanics of the game. I have changed some skill groupings. And this is more of interest for the people who actually are familiar with the D6 rules already. And part of it's drawn from my real-life experience. Part of it's drawn from my just my experience as a game master. So I'll go over those real quickly. The first one of those is uh, parry skills. In the D6 rules, parry is broken off as a separate skill. You have a attack skill and then a defensive skill. So you ha for blaster and ranged weapons, you have a, a blaster skill or a firearm skill. And then to, to defend against that, you have a dodge skill. And for melee using an actual weapon you have a melee skill and then but then you have a melee parry skill that's separate from that and then for brawling you have a brawling which is actually a strength skill but you have brawling parry which is a dexterity skill and then you roll damage based on your strength if you're talking about a melee or a, a brawling attack i'm not happy with that the the simple fact is that if you're engaged in in learning a martial art and this is my personal experience as a student of Taekwondo, Sanshin Rukurati, and uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, defense is part of the martial art. You don't learn just to strike. You don't learn just to through throws and takedowns and whatever. You learn how to defend against them at the exact same time. Those two skills are wrapped up intimately in the, with each other. And my other, the other part of my experience is that you learn that you can attack in two ways. You can attack for speed, aka sort of a dexterity type skill, you're going with speed and accuracy, or you can attack with raw power. So, uh, you know, you can simply bear hug someone and that's a melee, or that's a brawling attack. And it doesn't require a lot of dexterity to do. Um, but at the same time, you can also do, um, you know, rely on just lightning quick strikes. Someone who's stronger is going to hit harder. So damage is still appropriated to uh, to strength, and uh, so characters still da do damage with their strength. But their speed is... Uh, I allow people to use speed as the uh, base skill for uh, brawling. So if, if they, someone wants to use a brawling attack and they don't have brawling skill or they want to develop their brawling skill, I will allow them to base that on their dexterity rather than on their strength. And that's based almost entirely on my experience as a martial artist. So, for, to that, that end, I have condensed melee and melee parry into a single skill. It's just melee combat. And I've condensed brawling and brawling parry to a single co skill. Also, uh, 
Brawling is allowed to be a strength skill or a dexterity skill at the discretion of the player or the game master. The second problem I have with the Star Wars rules as written is in uh, repair skills. Repair skills are universally under technical, uh, as mentioned before, but it's broken off very strangely in the rules as written. You have um, a starfighter repair skill, a space transports repair skill, a starship repair skill, shield repair, repulsor lift repair, uh, weapon repair, armor repair, walker repair, none of which do anything for each other. And you, you know, if you're repairing a uh, transport, like the Millennium Falcon or a big freighter or something like that, you roll space transports repair. And if you're repairing the uh, an X-Wing, you roll starfighter repair. Well, that's all well and good, except when, say I'm repairing the engines on my space transport or I'm repairing the engine on my X-Wing, those two systems are pretty much the same. I mean, it's a different model, but they're the same system. It doesn't make any sense to me that I that my knowledge of space transports repair doesn't carry over, um, and why does being able to fix an engine make me any good at repairing a, a blaster cannon on my starfighter? They're, they're radically different systems, different engineering involved. So to that end, I've completely discarded pretty much all the repair skills and rebuilt them as a hull repair skill, repulsor lift repair, hyperdrive repair, sublight repair, beam weapon repair, missile weapon repair. Basically, I've broken them out by system. So if I want to repair the repulsor lifts on a speeder bike, it's that same skill that I would use to repair the repulsor lifts on a Y-wing, you know, for maneuvering in atmosphere. If I want to repair the sublight engines on a Star Destroyer or the sublight engines on a X-Wing or something like that, then those repair skills carry over. There's no division by the, the vehicle's function. Um, rather, it's by subsystem. Uh, it's a minor change. The number of skills is still reasonably similar. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't change the game that much, honestly. It just makes more sense in my head and allows players to be good at repairing things in situations that they were useless before. Um, I have condensed piloting, which is under mechanical. I have condensed the piloting skills. It used to be that there was a capital scale piloting, um, or I'm sorry, there was capital pilot, ship piloting, there was starfighter piloting, and then there was space transports piloting. Again, this is sort of a baffling decision on West End Games' part. Uh, West End Games chose to break out this whole class of vehicles, space transports, as a type of vehicle that you would fly. Uh, so the Millennium Falcon, a transport craft, a, a light transport, or a stock light freighter, right, technically, is the same class of vessel as a barge, and is flying that is also the same as flying a rebel medium transport or a huge bulk cruiser that is just a cargo freighter. Um, their job function of the ship is what matters, not the type of vehicle you're flying, which never really made much sense. Um, and certainly not the style of piloting that you are going to perform. Um, you know, piloting a starfighter scale vessel, like a scout ship or something like that, 
So what I've done is I've broken these skills down into uh, the way the craft behaves in combat, the way the craft is piloted in an engagement. So vehicles that are weaving in and out of a combat area, that are performing evasive maneuvers, that are um, dodging and weaving in and around the capital ships, those I'm classifying as starfighters. So the Millennium Falcon... I treat it as a starfighter. Um, certainly if you watch um, the asteroid chase or you watch uh, Empire Star I'm sorry, Return of the Jedi, you get a sense that the Millennium Falcon is quite maneuverable, but weaves in and out of wherever your combat area you're in and doesn't move like a large flying brick. Capital ships, Star Destroyers, barges, uh, even Corvettes and you know, frigates, those vehicles that basically just move in place and are large gun platforms that are not doing a lot of fancy dodging and weaving throughout the combat area, those are capital ships, and those maneuver like flying bricks. So that's a the other style of piloting. So I've, broken, I've condensed three piloting skills, um, starfighter, space transport, capital ship piloting, and just reduced it to capital scale, starfighter scale piloting. And to me, that just makes a little more sense. It allows players a little more flexibility if they want to fly an X-Wing and then they you know, need to tr fly a transport later. Um, the final replacement I've done is gunnery. I have gotten rid of the very bizarre delineation between the type of vehicle that the gun sits on and replaced it with just general gunnery. So, West End Games had repulsor lift gunnery, starfighter gunnery, capital ship gunnery, walker gunnery, and anything else you want to put together in there. Again, this division makes no sense to me. Um, I, don't, I don't know why the X-Wing guns work that much differently than a airspeeder or snowspeeder guns. I don't see why someone would learn a separate skill just to do that. And there's no carryover between these skills. I just replaced it with gunnery for for laser weapons and then a separate gunnery skill for missile weapons. So missile weapons are torpedoes, harpoons, concussion missiles, anything like that. Anything that's using this you know alternate targeting system. Uh, and then, you know, they, they have a a time, a travel time to hit the target, whereas laser weapons, ion cannons, all that sort of fits into laser gunnery. And then the only other sort of break point I have is when you're talking about a system that directly translates a user's movement. This sounds like kind of a obscure delineation, demarcation point, but what I've set is basically if I move my hand 10 degrees to the right my brain processes that information as the blaster moves 10 degrees to the right so any any weapon that you are aiming with your body then that is a blaster skill or firearms or whatever weapon I'm using so it's a dexterity skill it's my brain processing my body's movement the time when gunnery takes over is when I move a handle on a keyboard or I move, you know, the computer targeting system and I'm that 
my brain says, okay, I move my hand two degrees to the left and the turret skews over 10 degrees to the right where there's this mental translation that has to happen that requires the same sort of specialized knowledge that being a good pilot requires. So you sort of have to make the vehicle an extension of your body. That's mechanical. That's not dexterity. That's mechanical. So gunnery is all those things that I move this control and then the gun moves this far. That's the that's the break point. That's where I split it up. And that, I think, allowed me a little more flexibility, a little more uh, intuitive grasp about why these scales are broken up and, this way. I've already reviewed all these with my players, and we've kind of gone back and forth a couple of times on it, but I think we all, in the end we felt that these were all reasonable breakpoints for the skills. So, lastly, we had one other email I wanted to get to. Doug writes, Over the past month, I have become an avid fan of your podcast. Every time an episode comes out, I immediately have to sit and listen. I think your storyline is embodying the ideals, mystery, and intrigue as much as the movies make the first time you watch them. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your journey with the rest of us in editing it. I know it takes a ton of time to edit the audio and make sure everything presents well. My friends and I have made our own and, and played the Dungeons & Dragons campaigns before, and we are all big Star Wars fans. Your podcast has inspired us to do our own Star Wars campaign and maybe a podcast as well. Unfortunately, I won't be using the same system, but I'll be using the Star Wars Saga system. As always, I'll be Game Master, which brings me to my question. Do you get tired of always telling the story and not being a character in it? Personally, I love imagining the places, people, and adventure my players will have, but sometimes I would like to just be in it myself. The problem we are experiencing is bringing everyone together for a decent enough time for a session, which you have stated before is an issue with your sessions, completely understandable with real life. Most of the time, do we we have to do a virtual tabletop, Skype, or TeamSpike just to do a, a session. Do you think this kills the experience not being present? Thank you for reading my lengthy email. And he goes on to um, thank us again. Well, the, a couple of things. Uh, the first thing, I'll answer your last question first. I think you do lose a little bit in using a voice-only interface. I like to be, I'm a very talk-with-my-hands kind of person. Um, so I, I like to do facial gestures. Uh, I do have a little bit of background in theater, so I tend to emote for my characters. There's some big pauses and sighs and things you can sort of show your character that it's a little harder to do in an audio podcast. Um, I think we do lose a little bit of that just doing an audio podcast. In fact, I tend to edit out some of our pauses, uh, partially for length, partially because when I have to stop and think about what a character is doing or think about, you know, well, what is my character thinking... Uh, you know, the, it just doesn't play well on the radio. It would just be big gaps of space where you guys would be bored while I sit here and make funny faces at my players. Uh, so there is there is a little bit of that. When you have a webcam, it's a little bit there. You get a little bit more. Uh, I still don't think you get the full experience. And quite frankly, I work on computers. My, my actual job is in IT. And I think I sit in front of a computer more than enough, so I would be happier playing face-to-face -face with people. Um, apart from the fact that I live with uh, two of our players, so it, that makes it a little easier. 
and the other two players that we currently have are uh, local, so and we try and schedule our sessions far enough in advance that everyone can attend. Uh, I, I agree. Scheduling is always going to be a problem for any gaming group, and if you're insistent, like I am, on playing face-to-face, -face, um, then you're going to have to... You're just going to have to live with that. Um, it helps if you have a gaming environment. A lot of times there will be a... Your local gaming store will run Friday or Saturday night gaming sessions. And if everyone has a central meeting place, sometimes you can... It's a little easier if you just have a regular night. This is what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, on the days that you don't have enough people, you play... An alternate session. Uh, this campaign could work just fine without any of the prequels. We were still assembling people, uh, still working on backstories, still working on trying to get people involved. Um, I did a lot of searching local game stores, trying to find people who would be interested. Um, so, you know, that, that, is a, that is a concern. Uh, getting to the other question you asked, specifically about whether or not I miss playing. Um... Yes, I do. Uh, from time to time, I definitely would like to say, gosh, there's a character I'd really like to create. Uh, I get a little bit of fix of that doing uh, some play-by-post type stuff, uh, which is really a, a very different experience. You lose a lot of the social aspect, but you can get some of your writing technique down and really build some of the characters that you might use in other places. So, yeah, there, there's certainly a sense of loss there. I, I do play a couple of play-by-post games. I play a, a one Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, and I also play a Star Wars one that I just started up that uh, I haven't gotten very far into to really give you much feedback on that. Um, hmm. I guess the only other thing I would have to say is, yeah, there, there's occasionally times I, I jones for... Uh, a character that just jumps out at me. Like, this storyline is one that has been kicking back in my head for the better part of ten years. It's just one of those stories where he just grabs you by the insert body part here, throws you to the ground and says, okay, this story needs to be told. And I tried various media to try and tell this story, and it never really was very satisfying. So... I finally just said, okay, I'm going to make this happen, come hell or high water, uh, I'm going to record it, and, you know, maybe people will listen, maybe people won't. Um, the, occasionally there's characters that, that are the same. There's a character that grabs me by something <laughs> and, uh, and jumps out of the page at me, and I say, gosh, I really want to make a character that's like that. It's been a while since I've had that, but it does creep up from now and again, quite frankly. Um, there isn't one that's really burning to be get out of my head right now, and this story is really what I need to get out as a creator. So, thank you for your email, thank you for your kind words, and for the rest of you, we look forward to hearing from you. You can email us at swfallingstar at gmail.com. I'm Jesse the Game Master, and until next time, good luck and may the Force be with you.